The purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. This is not a substitute for professional medical care and is not intended for use in the diagnosis or treatment of individual conditions. Guests on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. The mention of any product, service, organization, activity, or therapy should not be construed as an ASCO endorsement. The Bomb, Andrea M. Watson. I sit paralyzed at my desk. Everyone has left the clinic. I can hear the sound of the broom in the hall as the after-hours cleaning begins. No phones ring, no patients hurry to appointments. No chatter lingers in the air. The silence is oppressive. The air is heavy, and the distance from my office to the hospital, an eternity. I've just hung up the phone with the radiation oncologist. His words echo in my head. Radiation will cause more harm than good. I'm sorry. I wish there was something more I could offer. Dread rises like a tide as my last hope recedes. I want to share the burden of this terrible news, but all my colleagues have left for the day, and I am alone. I'd been taking care of Mallory for nine months when the progression of her disease took me by surprise. Her tumor had responded so well to upfront radiation, followed by nine months of intensive chemotherapy. With just a few months of treatment left, the end was in sight. Mallory was an avid J.R.R. Tolkien fan, and plans for a Make-A-Wish Foundation trip to New Zealand were underway. She wanted to see the Lord of the Rings filming location and visit the small Hobbit village she'd read about in travel books. She wanted to wait until it was summer there, our winter time to travel. When Mallory's disease progressed on therapy, that fall the timeline shifted. Goals shifted. There was no realistic hope for cure. There was just hope for time. The trip became the goal, and she bravely chose to continue with aggressive treatment, hoping it would open a window of time for travel. But further progression got in the way. When the futility of chemotherapy became clear, hopes were pinned on radiation to buy time. Now, hanging up the phone, I, I realized that this strong, brave, beautiful 16-year-old girl who had been through so much will never get to New Zealand. And I have to tell her that. Tonight. I start out toward the hospital, but walking through the hall, my steps slow. My chest becomes tight and my head swims with the devastating message I carry. I stop and look blankly at the man sweeping the floor, wondering if he can tell I'm carrying a bomb meant for a young girl and her family. He keeps sweeping, unaware. I trace my steps, fighting back tears. Back in my office, the sobs come. I cry for Mallory, for her parents, for her little brother and her best friend, her sister, for all they would never share together and for all the sorrow they had already faced. I cry for myself and for the terrible burden of delivering the blow, extinguishing the candle of hope that this trip had become and speaking the words they dreaded since the moment we met. 
and when the tears finally stopped, I am empty. I take a deep breath and walk out the door. Mallory is not surprised by my news. Her gaze shifts away from me to a far-off place. Silent tears stream down her face, and she says, I know. That's all she says. I meet with her parents alone in the family room. Their reaction is raw and palpable. Flooded by tears and sobbing, they cling to one another, lost in a storm of grief. When her brother and sister join us, I unfold the news slowly, choosing my words with great care, as the disbelief on their faces quickly melts into sorrow and then tears. My heart feels as if it will break. I sit quietly by, trying to fade from the scene that plays out before me. I fight back the tears, but lose. I have done my job, delivered the bomb. There is nothing more to do but bear witness. Then, something beautiful happens. Mallory's parents silently hug one another with new resolve and in turn embrace their children. Without a word, they stand up and walk together into Mallory's room. Hand in hand, they pull her in and encircle her with fiery love. I quietly take my leave, feeling the power radiating from the room as I walk down the hall and out of the hospital into the night air. Mallory's funeral program bore a poignant quote from the Lord of the Rings film in which Gandalf assures Pippin that death is not the end, but rather another path we must take. The journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one that we all must take. The gray rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. And then you see it. What? Gondolf, see what? Pippin asked anxiously. White shores and beyond a far green country under a swift sunrise. Shortly after Mallory died, her sister reflected that although she never saw the lush green of New Zealand, Mallory's journey had taken her somewhere even better. Likewise, the journey of those left behind continues. Families' lives are forever changed after a child dies, and our lives are never the same either. Each patient we care for can teach us lessons about how to live well, even when you die young. The privilege is great, and the responsibility that comes with it, greater. Delivering devastating news to beloved patients and their families may be the most dark and difficult moments of one's career. But compared with the burden that families carry, it is light. And if you stay long enough, and you listen hard enough, you may see the blinding love shining through the darkness. Now, the end of the day, after the noise and activity fade, I find myself thinking of Mallory. Some days it's with a renewed awareness of the heavy burden we carry. Other days it's with a lightness of being and gratitude for those who go before us, leaving their courage as testament to what they've believed in. The silence unearths a deep ache in my heart. Sometimes I cry. Then 
I hear the comforting sound of sweeping in the hall. I take a deep breath and walk out the door. Welcome to Cancer Stories, the Art of Oncology series podcast brought to you by the Journal of Clinical Oncology. I'm Lydia Shapira, Editorial Consultant for Art of Oncology and your host for this program. With me today is Dr. Andrea Watson, a general pediatric hematologist oncologist working at Essentia Health in the Duluth Clinic in Minnesota and the author of The Bomb, published ahead of print February 11, 2019. Andrea, welcome to our program. Thank you, Lydia. It's a pleasure to be here. I've been looking forward to it. That's terrific. Let me start by asking you a question I ask many of our authors, people who write usually like to read. What are you reading now? Oh, that's a, a great question. I, on any given day, I do read quite a few children's stories. Not only am I a pediatric oncologist, I have five children. So there's a lot of bedtime story reading, which also cuts into my leisure reading. I don't have a lot of time for for fiction. But right now, I am reading a book called Invitation to Love, which is uh, by a Cistercian monk about centering prayer. Um, and I'm in the middle of a, a series that he has, has written about the topic, and it's wonderful. That's so interesting. So with that, let's talk about your writing. You have uh, written and published before. So tell me a little bit about how you write and when you write and why you write. Mm. Yes, thank you. I have... Uh, discovered writing in my career in the past few years, although I recall my grandmother giving me a journal when I was 12 or 13, and it was called The View from My Window. And I really have been journaling on and off throughout my life since that time. And it it wasn't until I experienced a series of patient deaths that were all very close and difficult for me uh, three or four years ago that I really took to writing as uh, more than just journaling. And I would say looking back, it really felt like more of a compulsion than anything else. After after one of the deaths, a few weeks had gone by and I just, I felt physically drawn to and almost, I had to get this out. And I just, I started on my computer And from that came the essay that you're kind enough to publish a few years ago called Let It Be Hard. And and that was just such an incredibly rewarding experience for me, not only in the process of writing and processing these deaths and all of the events surrounding it, but also in the aftermath, in connecting with others who uh, had read it or who were also writers or who had similar experience. Um, It was it was a very rich, rewarding experience. And subsequently, I have come back to that kind of as needed. I had another very difficult um, patient death last year, and she's become the topic of this essay, which was very uh, much more raw and intimate for me. Um, but that's, I guess that's where I am in, in my career. It's been 10 years now that I've been practicing in a smaller town and Northern Minnesota, and um, this has been 
a really important way for me to stay balanced and and keep keep coming back to work every day. It's um, so interesting, and uh, I really appreciate how you take readers also to a place of deep, deep emotion. I remember in the first essay you published, you talked about how difficult the work is, and you also said, and I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. And in this particular piece, The Bomb, you you walk us through uh, the process of delivering incredibly terrible news, and you do it with such sensitivity. Um, tell us a little bit more about this, the, the reservoir of emotion and how you how you handle it, how you how you keep it from from bubbling over. Mm. Well, that that is the question, and uh, luckily for me, writing is part of the answer. In this essay, the bomb, I, I think I really was looking to dive into that space, that that time where you, as a provider, as an oncologist, are aware of information but have yet to deliver it. And I, I really hadn't experienced it so intensely before this this case, although it happens all the time. It happens every day as we look at scans or look at uh, lab reports and then meet with patients. But in this particular instance, the you know, this whole essay is about the backstory and the aftermath, but I really wanted to focus on those minutes where it's so dark and it's so hard and it's so heart gut-wrenching and heart-wrenching to carry that without being able to share it or get rid of it or change it. And and for me physically, I I wanted to paint that scene to try to uh, bring people to what it feels like and physically walking from one building to the next and how how everything around you is life is normal life as usual the the janitor is sleeping and cars are passing by but in fact it, it's this horrendous bomb that you are delivering and then the incredible grace that comes after i mean for me writing really is a meditation and a a, a way to honor these these children, these families, and their strength and their resiliency. And I think without taking that time away, that time apart, to look at that and to tell that story, you don't really appreciate it. I don't. And when I am able to do that, that that turns all that intense sorrow and grief and just the horror of it all into something quite beautiful. And I think many of your guests have alluded to that in oncology, whether it's adults or children. There's such great suffering, but so much uh, life and growth and love that comes out of that, that. That's what I think is just an amazing aspect of what we do. Um, and that's certainly what keeps keeps me coming back every day and, and picking up a, a new patient and kind of moving through it again because there's no end. So you you have brought up so many um, very deep and, and insightful, wise pearls there. I 
think this idea of connecting through love and beauty, and, and that is sort of almost like the antidote to the to the sorrow. It's beautiful. But I want to take you back a little bit to this idea that you are holding this bad news, this bomb, because delivering the bomb sounds sounds so dramatic and so explosive. <laughs> is that is that in fact the way that you experience this delivery of bad news? Well, it, it certainly is a dramatization of it. I, I wouldn't say that every day I, <laughs> I feel like uh, I'm running across the field with a bomb, but when I was first drafting this essay and I went to save it, that title just, I said, it just came. It just, it's a, the bomb. That's what I'll call it. And in that case, because we had such a strong relationship and it was just, it felt so tragic in, in part because she was such a special girl and so, so um, this wise beyond her years and this wonderful family. She was also the age of one of my children, my oldest daughter, and that, as many of us in pediatric oncology at least know, that that makes the it turns up the intensity, and yeah. it's it's a much more emotionally challenging uh, situation. Mm-hmm. So that that particular news delivery, um, I think, was probably the most poignant for me, the most difficult, and it happened as I describe it, but. That's not what every day is like, thankfully. No, I thankfully not. But, but I, <laughs> I want to bring us back because you say that the bomb is really the way it felt to you. And then, you know, you also talk about the fact that, I mean, one of the things that I loved about this essay so much is you talk about starting to walk towards the room and then having to go back to your office and close <laughs> the door and stop and, and feeling empty. Uh, because I do think that the, the emotional impact is 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 huge on us as well as you describe as the oncologist here, and then of course you pull yourself together in the most uh, in the most professional and, and way to to deliver this therapeutically. But but it is important to remember that it uh, it is emotionally a very dramatic, and it feels that way. And you certainly have have made that so beautifully clear to to the readers. Thank you. I think one of the things I learned from the first piece I wrote, Let It Be Hard, was just that. And that was something that one of my palliative care idols said to me one day when I was struggling with this this case. He said, "Let it, it is hard. Let it be hard. And that, I think, is what got me to where I am now with the story about Mallory in in that I learned from him, it's okay to shut the door and cry. And it's okay if those cries are sobs. Now, we can't function on a daily basis if we're emotionally um, out of control. And that, that certainly wasn't my what I was trying to depict. But that letdown, I think, and just, just letting it hurt is moving through it. And and from that, I I... You know, that and by the grace of God had the strength to go over and, you know, very calmly and peacefully relay this news, which of course, as often is the case, she already knew and help be a support person as the family really absorbed the reality that was, that was unfolding. And that's, you know, that's for me, 
all we can do is walk through it. We can't run away. We can't escape it. And it has only made my work and my relationship with these families richer and deeper. And that's another important piece for me uh, with both of the families, uh, actually, many three kids that I talked about in the first one, this one, we maintain a relationship with these families long after the children have died. And they are part of our healing as much as we are part of theirs and keeping that memory alive and honoring their their struggle and, and what they taught us. So personally for me to do this difficult, very painful work has been offset by those relationships and and the knowledge that you're, you know, growing through a very difficult time, the worst time in a family's life and a hard time in your career, but there is there is growth and there is hope and there is meaning. And you beautifully did your work as a writer by framing this high intensity emotional moment against that sound of that gentle sweeping of <laughs> the man who was cleaning the floor. And you you know, you, you just remind us that there is normalcy all around right. this chaos and this crisis. It's a beautiful piece. Thank you so much for sending it in and for sharing your wisdom. I want to thank Dr. Watson and hope you will join me next time for another conversation about the art of oncology. <laughs> 